1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard as we look back on the latest international break. France proved too much for an experimental Scotland team on the night in Lille. There was a first ever goal for Billy Gilmore, but in the end Mbappé and Cole ran out 4-1 winners. And now all eyes looking forward to the return of the domestic stuff this week with flights and hotels getting booked to Germany up and down the country for the next few months. I'm Gordon Duncan. Joining me tonight, you have Charlie Mulgrew and Jim Duffy. Jim of all our pundits, you are the biggest Scotland fan, undeniably. Uh, it was a tough night last night. Two defeats over the international break, yet everybody's still feeling good about themselves. Well, I think there's three if you include, include the England game uh, as well. I was at the England game, actually, as a, as a fan. Um, went to the game you can see the golfing class there's no doubt about it and, and Stevie Clark alluded to that last night after the game you know he said he doesn't like losing but uh, you know it tells you that it's fantastic to qualify with two games to go absolutely no doubt about that but the jump between qualifying and competing with the very best England, Spain, France I think was there for everyone to see Yes, there was a, a, you know experimental, gave a lot of guys some game time, very valuable game time, and it's your terrific experience. But but as I said, you, you we know that uh, there's a lot of improvement uh, needed before next year's uh, Euros if we're uh, to compete with some of these top clubs. Charlie, what is the line like between having a bit of pride that you were you know involved for a long time as a Scotland player and seeing some guys that you know well and work with get over the line? Uh, versus a wee bit of jealousy at what's going to lie in store for them. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'd probably I'd love to be at a Euros. I'd love to be at a major competition for Scotland. That's what you strive for when you play for your country. But it's just pure happiness for the boys that are, that are there. They deserve it. The manager deserves it. It's the most un-Scottish thing ever to qualify this soon, this this early in a campaign. The typical Scotland thing would have been not to um, to not qualify and then beat France last night. Yeah. <laughs> True, um, but. Thankfully we've done the, the important part Lost a couple of games in a row But the most important part's done We're going to Germany And really looking forward to it Come on then 01419511025 If you've got any thoughts on last night I know it was just a friendly But as far as friendlies go It was certainly an interesting one Away to one of the best teams in the world When we saw the lineup, We were wondering Why on earth they were taking it so seriously um, So what did you make of it? Did any of the guys who came in uh, for rare appearances Take their chance Was there moments that, that pleased you Does it ultimately stand Scotland in good stead Going in uh, To the Euros Into the next Nations League And so on What did you take away From it If you'd rather Discuss club football We are here for you On that as well Rangers fans You've now had A few days I think To really uh, Get used to the The idea of The new manager You've heard from him We can bring you more From him tonight It was a really long Press conference yesterday uh, so I've got more to play for you uh, from that. I suppose we're already looking ahead to his first game in charge, Philippe Clement against Hibs. So you can get all your thoughts in there. And if there's anything else at all, maybe you've just been sitting patiently, quietly at home to have your say on something a bit different over this quiet period of the international break. It's the same number, 01419511025. It's the perfect type of international break, Jim, where there is a lot of success uh, to be celebrated. Um, but also a busy time in the club front as well and a new manager in one of the biggest jobs in the country. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Rangers fans, obviously, you know, over the last couple of weeks were desperate to get that appointment finally over the line. It, was a, it looked as if it was a 50-50 call between Kevin Muscat and uh, Philip uh, Clement. Uh, with the Belgian coming out on top so yeah I mean listen we don't like like a, a little bit like uh, many managers that come from abroad we can only get the, the information um, you know from maybe previous players that played with them or coaches I know the likes of Thomas Buffel and people like that have been speaking about him uh, quite highly but I think managing Rangers <laughs> no disrespect to Club Bruges or, Genk or any of these teams is, is in a whole different um, stratosphere you know the demands the expectations uh, we've saw with the last couple of managers, it's not just about winning games, it's about winning the important games and also a style of football that pleases the fans. And amongst that, you've got your greatest rivals to contend with as well, who currently have a seven-point gap. So, yeah, there's a lot um, of challenges ahead for Philip Clement. Um, but, you know, he's, he's stayed very calm in his press conferences so far. He said that he's, you know, he's not a miracle worker. You know, he's going to have to take time. Um, but there's been plenty of managers over that have said that you're not just at Rangers, at various clubs. Unfortunately, time is not something you're given uh, too much of uh, when you manage a huge club like Rangers. Yeah, I mean, Charlie, it does feel like it will be an exciting start when we get the domestic stuff back going because you've got a new era at Rangers with the manager. And then maybe on the other side of the city, a feeling that Celtic were just, just starting to motor a bit before the break, starting to... I'm not saying come good because it wasn't a bad start, but you know, starting to kind of hit their stride a bit. Yeah, as you say, Celtic seem to have found their stride. They seem to have the penny seemed to have dropped after that nil-nil draw at home at St Johnson. They seem to have got over that and kicked on and found their way of playing. And really, the penny had dropped to Brendan Rodgers' his, his tweaks to the system. When we look at Rangers, Rangers fans need to give the manager a bit of time. But unfortunately, as Jim just said, there a team like Rangers, you need to get your implement your style. But you need to win in the meantime. So Rangers are under pressure straight away. It's a good manager. He looks like he's got a good record. Um, time will tell if he can handle managing Rangers and getting his style across. Whether it's the right style or not, we'll soon see. And whether he can get wins in between that, he'll be judged straight away. I hope he doesn't play with wingers because Rangers have no got any. <laughs> we'll find out. 01419511025. What did you make of Scotland's defeat in France last night? Did you learn anything? Did you take anything away? Were there positives despite the result? Or did parts of it give you the fear uh, of what could lie in wait against some of the big boys? And if you would rather talk domestic football, Philippe Clement, the return of the Premiership, or anything else, it is the same number. So get in touch. Just to put you in the mood, just to set the scene for a conversation about Scotland last night. Let's go to the phones and bring in someone who made their Scotland debut last night. Always a proud moment, I'm sure. Uh, Motherwell and now Scotland goalkeeper Liam Kelly joins us. How's it going, Liam? Gordon, hi mate, you alright? I'm not bad at all, probably not as good as you because I know it was a disappointing result but just how special a moment was that for you? Aye, the most special um, to be honest mate, that's kind of all your football life just kind of builds up to that moment, didn't it? Um, you don't like to go over the top and act too excited and too happy because obviously you lost the game 4-1 but um, aye, the, the best moment of my, my life so far, aye, definitely I don't care, you can get excited as you like You'll, Listen, you've got 44 caps in the corner You've got the biggest Scotland fan of all the pundits here We won't we won't uh, cut you down um, How did it come about then? What, like, How much notice did you get? And you know, Did you manage? Did you have to scramble family over there? Or how, how did it work? Um, no, the manager never even The manager never said until the day of the game Until he named the team um, There'll be a couple of inclinations For maybe a couple of coaches That uh, means Ander might have got a sniff But no, the manager never really said it to us. Um, just put us in, gave us an opportunity, and obviously so grateful for that. Um, 
Aye, just you don't expect it, do you know what I mean? Because he's played obviously Big Craig so much when he was fit, and then Angus has played every minute since he's come in. So um, me and Xander have done a lot of warm-ups between us. So um, <laughs> it was nice to be on the receiving end of one for a change. Aye, that was nice. Did it, did it feel like that, like a bit of a reward for you know going to so many squads? And I, I mean, I don't know if you do moan behind the scenes. I was going to say presumably never moaning about it, getting on, and and kind of always having to, to to wait your turn. Did it feel like a bit of a, a reward for that? Um, I probably did to be honest Gordon um, just think like when you go away and obviously I'm happy to stay out and I'll do as much extra as you can with the boys like the free kicks just shooting the penalties whatever and then it just keeps you going now doesn't it like when you go back again you've had your cap you're happy and it just fills you with energy again and just kind of keeps you going kind of we believe that yeah you can do alright in that, that situation obviously we lost goals to set pieces which is kind of unlike us um, but I felt as though we actually done alright in the game I know the scoreline says 4-1 but um Three set pieces and then a counter attack later on in the game. I felt as though we actually done really well with the ball last night in the game. So it was nice to take part. I and um, my mum and dad managed to over. So um, oh, that was I a great feeling as well. Jim, I can't believe his teammates let him down defending the set pieces <laughs> like that on his big night. Exactly. I think Liam, for me, is something like yourself. It's a fantastic um, story, really. You know, when you look at it, you know, a few years ago, uh, you know, you're you're you know fighting to get yourself an established to become an established goalkeeper. That 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 happens. You know, you 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 become you know integral part of uh, the, the motherwell side. But to get your opportunity to play, uh, you know, in that type of game, you know, with world class players, probably you know. You know Arguably the best player yeah. in the world just now, and and and, and Kylian Mbappe playing. So when you when you saw the team that uh, France had put out, were you delighted, or was there a wee bit of trepidation, or were you saying, "No, listen, this is what I want. I want to be on the same pitch as some of these players." I think um, I think you know, when I when I seen the team, um, which the manager kind of warned us that he felt as though they were going to come strong. Um, he's usually good at that. He's obviously he uses his. He's not to try and guess what our teams are doing. He always gets opposition team there or thereabouts, so he does feel they're going to come strong. So we were prepared for that. Um, and then obviously when we took the lead, you're thinking, oh, here we go, can we hang on? But I think we just kind of poked, poked the bear a wee bit, didn't we? And, um, <laughs> Wasn't it quite a James I, McFadden moment? <laughs> back, back to the wall after that. Uh, back to the wall, and obviously they can see, we can see the first set piece straight after it, which was disappointing, mm. you know what I mean? Because... Um, their control but when you play against these opposition they're, they're bigger stronger more athletic so they're even more dangerous for set pieces I think um, people think when you play against these teams you can't always go to set pieces but you're probably more vulnerable to set pieces due to the size and athleticism from them as well you know what I mean yeah we were talking about this last night you know they took it very seriously when we saw the team it, it was full strength like you say uh, Scotland obviously made a number of changes um, and I mean unfair perhaps accusations flying around that maybe Scotland had a few players that had partied a wee bit on Sunday night Would that, is, that, is that unfair? I <laughs> that, that probably would be unfair I, I think um, the manager kept, kept a lid on it he kept a close eye on us um, we had a good time obviously he's a really good manager obviously he gives the boys that bit of space and that bit of time to enjoy themselves I think the boys give him a lot back for, what was the kill for you? manages the group what was the curfew? Oh, uh, half ten or something. <laughs> are you are you buying that for one second? Uh, I'm buying there? it. I'm buying it, mate. I'm, I believe you. Um, listen, Kells, congratulations, mate. Really, really pleased for you, mate. Um, I just want to ask you a quick question on um, the manager. Obviously, I worked under him, and, and he's, he's very defensive. But I see the difference in this team where you've you've got that defensive side is, but also you can score goals. Do you know the reason why that is? And, and what would you say the manager's main attribute is? For the team, 
I think um, I think before the game this time, Charlie was really conscious of um, against England. We never really had that kind of control in the game and that edge. And um, I think he wanted us to not just stop the opposition last night. Of course, they, they were good, but when we had the ball, he wanted us to play. He wanted us to to try and create. He was saying to me, he didn't want me just to just keep going long. He wanted me to try and play short. So. Um, I think as much as we stop the opposition well, I think there's a massive emphasis on that's not the only thing we do. We need to bring our own kind of personality to the game. We need to try and um, bring our own selves to the game because we've got a lot of really, really good players. Um, it's just trying to find that way to, to maybe challenge the, the top opposition a wee bit more and how can we create chances more now? Because I think the possession was 50-50 last night um, against, against France and France. So that's a really good sign for us. Um, obviously, they were 3-1 up, so maybe they took their foot of the gas a wee bit, but... Um, just shows we're going the right direction and the, and the managers are always looking for small wee ways to improve the team as well So, Does the manager work on that in possession stuff or is it mainly giving you the freedom to, to go and express yourself and go and play, play with your freedom and go and get on the ball and, and have possession as well? I think he, play, he plays uh, the players in the, on the pitch to have kind of relationships together on the pitch you know what I mean? So um, there is a natural element to it but I think there is a understanding that by playing players and certain positions it helps develop kind of the relationships and the pitch between the players um, and they understand the movements and how they're going to move of each other do you know what I mean so yeah. as much as there's no specific do this do that um, there's a very much a strong structure when we've not got the ball but there's definitely a we play a, a certain way when we've got the ball with the players that can understand each other really well You can see that because McTominay's scoring some goals and in the past Scotland have maybe been rigid with, without that kind of plan or been given that freedom when they have the ball because you see it kind of as if we're almost uncomfortable uh, having possession but this team seemed to be comfortable and seemed to have a plan and the stats show that last night so no mate thanks for that great let, let me ask you Liam because 10 days between the two games 10 days ago you save a uh, sorry you face a penalty from your own brother and then fast forward 10 days and it's the small matter of Kylian Mbappe what are you had you done your research what were you thinking when he's putting the ball down I we actually we had done a research. Um, it was quite surreal, wasn't it? Like I'm just thinking to myself, like that's actually Mbappe standing in front of me. Um, <laughs> um, I but it usually goes low, low in my left hand side and kind of high in my right hand side. So I had a feeling it was going to go up my left, and I went low. Um, and he probably I probably went just a bit too low. Um, uh, so it wasn't to be maybe get the next one against another player hopefully but I uh, me Xander Angus we all talk with a goalie coach and you got a few fingers too didn't you you did get it yeah. you did have a touch there I just wonder uh, if there was I wonder if there was a message from your brother <laughs> saying you got you got closer to Mbappe's than you did to mine has <laughs> uh, that not uh, arrived I yet I told him I didn't want him greeting so I just let him score <laughs> uh, um, the um, you know Xander got half the game as well and I saw him saying that you two have actually you, you grew up together so it was a kind of special mm. moment as well because is that where goalkeeping's a bit of a strange one you're obviously in such competition with each other but you will be close friends you work closer with them than anyone else was it was it nice in a way to be able to share it with him last night? I, I, I was, it was really nice Gordon to be honest um, I'm not just saying that because I think maybe um, we are Angus is playing, so we understand that, we accept that. Um, he's come in and he's almost kind of not done anything wrong at all, which is really hard to do for a goalkeeper. Like, you can make a bad decision or, or do something wrong at any moment. So the fact that Angus um, hasn't had a lot to do, but hasn't done a thing wrong over a certain amount of games, that's that's unbelievable. So there wasn't a chance of like, oh, me and Xander playing well, we're going to, we're going to play. So we, just, we both just really wanted each other to do well in the game. Um, 
because we know Angus is probably going to go back and play the next couple of games anyway. So I just really want each other to do well. Known each other since. Um, his dad was a big Yoker fan and my dad played with Yoker back when I was five or six and he was eight or nine so we used to run about Yoker on the pitch together so to then um, share that moment last night it was really good and um, that just kind of sums up the relationship all the boys have got in the, in the squad to be honest Gordon Ah brilliant and how does it feel then I'm sure you'll be hoping you both will be to be part of that Euro squad how did it feel kind of watching it as a, as a squad on Sunday and the realisation setting in that it's it's on even though we've known for a while that you know, you'd put yourselves in a good position uh, it was obviously it's such a good feeling isn't it? when you've been in a squad for pretty much all the games and you see how hard the boys have worked for that moment. Um, I think it got to about the 89th minute and then we were kind of maybe hoping for a Norway equaliser so we still had a chance of a top in the group. Um, but then it, we seen the referee put up eight minutes on the board and we're like, no, no, hold on, no, no, Norway equaliser this year. But I really good, really. It was a great night. Um, the boys have worked, kind of worked so hard for it. Um, and now the challenge just becomes to play well at your club, try and get in your club team. The manager always tells us you'll be watching the club football, so um, make sure you do well there. Make sure you stay in his plans and, and just try and get in the squad again. And then if you get in the squad, you try and get in the team. And if you're not picked in, you support the boys. So. The, the process remains the same and I'll just try and follow that again Quite right back to the big team this weekend well done Liam thanks for taking the time well done mate cheers lads thank you cheers thank you, good man yeah. that's Liam Kelly Scotland debutant last night what did you make of it <coughs> he was obviously delighted to play a part and get that debut it was a tough result in the end were there positives what did you learn pick up the phone right now and we'll try and get you on next Clyde One Super Scoreboard listen and watch Check the Twitter feed at Clyde SSB. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 0141 951 1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Charlie Mulgrew and Jim Duffy are here We were just joined by Scotland's debutant goalkeeper Or one of them, uh, Liam Kelly So we're looking for your thoughts on the game last night I know it was just a friendly uh, But what did you learn? What did you take away? And if you'd rather talk domestic football Pick up the phone and give us your thoughts Andy's in Drumchapel How's it going Andy? I'm alright guys, how's it getting on tonight? Good, Andy. Andy. All good here Andy, what have you got for us? Yeah, no, I was just I listened to the, the show there And you were talking about the Scotland game And uh, actually Regardless of the score, four-one, um, I, I think it's it was quite a positive uh, performance for, for the team. Considering it was like a second second uh, team going out. Um, I mean, we scored a goal against France, one of the top teams in the world. Um, and uh, what I liked about the game is, and, and you know, at the start of the game, I, I said to my brother, I thought easily against France, as, as much as we've qualified, you could get beat five or six nil off of them because they're that good. So. We were still trying to attack them and we were still trying to have a go. And there was times we had a lot of possession and good spells and we created chances. Um, so I think you know that if you're going to attack teams like France that you could get caught out because they're so much better than us. So I certainly didn't come away at full time last night disappointed or angry. I, I thought the, the boys put a great performance in. They looked as if they'd enjoyed themselves. Um, that might have been the pressure off because they know they've qualified for the mm. Euros and you know, it, it was fantastic. And you look at the teams that we've played. You know, we were talking about three losses, but it's it's England, Spain, and uh, France. And to be honest with you, the Spain game we could have won that if, if the the VAR decision had went a bit differently. So I, I don't think we've got anything to worry about. Lesser teams, I think, if we play that, we'll we'll pick up points and we'll get wins. Yeah, Jim. On one hand, you feel like look, we we are hopefully beyond the stage now where we're 
happy at getting beat. You know, we should probably yeah. start having a bit more about us. But at the same time, Andy's right. Away to a top team, it didn't it didn't feel like an absolute chasing. It didn't feel like you know getting battered. Charlie mentioned the possession stats. I think we're, mm-hmm. we're pretty even. Um, is, it, is it just about kind of trying to find the positives and acknowledging that those big teams will pick you off at certain moments? Yeah, I mean, listen, France are capable of uh, beating anybody on their day. You know, the top teams in the world. There's no doubt about that. And um, you know, Stevie decided to. Um, freshen the squad up and 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 leave uh, you know a number of his if if he's you know normally nailed on players like John McGinn, Cal McGregor, these kind of guys, uh, you know out. But for you always you always look to see what um, uh, are the positive aspects you can do. I thought Lewis Ferguson did really well um, last night. Um, he's 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 in the most difficult area. Probably we we spoke there to Liam Kelly in terms of goalkeeping, but the midfield is very strong for us. Um, you know we know we're a bit light up front. Uh, in, in, in the fight of the attacking third but certainly in midfield um, that is very uh, competitive but I still thought Lewis Ferguson gave food for thought in there I thought he, he came in uh, competed really well was really positive um, you know there, there was you know, obviously Greg Taylor came in very difficult again as we said with the, the number of players particularly Andy Robertson and mm. you, the likes of Kieran Tierney when he comes in so it's, it's difficult when you come up against these top players but you've got to look and say right you know that that shows that the squad um, you know, wasn't sulking. It wasn't saying, "Oh, listen, I haven't played that much." They went in there. They were competitive. They were organised. Yeah, they made some mistakes, but also they were up against some top class yeah. players. So I think there was a lot uh, that Stevie Clark can take out the game. The biggest thing, though, is you know we we need to you know uh, we we need to understand that there is still a gulf between us and those very top teams, maybe the top eight teams in Europe. We have positives to take. Definite positives. You spoke about Andy spoke about and you said there about the possession stats. I think in games gone by when Scotland have played France and been beat four on the end of three, I was in the end of a three 0 defeat before. And was on the bench. I came on for the last twenty minutes or whatever. We never did anywhere near the, the possession stats, and I think that's that's the next step for Scotland to have a bit more of the ball. That's a European way to 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 go and play these big teams and have a bit more possession. When you've got possession of the ball, you give yourself a much better chance of scoring goals. And the fact that it's not just all about possession, don't get me wrong. It's about what you do with that possession and possession with a purpose. And I think that we did create a few chances last night. There's definitely positive to be taken from it. I don't think that you can judge a game based on the result. And I think Andy's right when he said that there's a lot of positives to take because if you if you base results uh, games just based purely on results, then you can never get any better. And I think that's ultimately you're going to be judged on results. That's not what I'm saying. But you need to judge the game as as the game went, possession stats, many shots in target, how many chances did, did we create, how many chances did the opposition create, how can we do better? And I think that's the next step for Scotland to have more possession and, and, and cause these teams more problems, these big teams more problems. Because France ultimately are going to be one of the favourites to win the tournament. Yeah. So this is what we're up against. I was, I was just looking up that night that you mentioned 3-0, Giroud scored twice, didn't he? What was he? possession stats? He's still about, I don't know. Although <laughs> when do you think you came on? I thought I came on... I'd have said 20 minutes I'd say about 70 minutes Because the SFA website's got you on in the 46th minute I don't know if you've erased it from your memory or oh, they, they could be oh, wrong is it? I don't know No I think they might be right actually You're trying yeah, to forget I've about tried it to, I've tried to 
put a bit of the blame on the, on the team there. That's that, I, I, I take that back. It was 50 50 possession until Charlie came on in. It was 72 70 30 after that, the fans. I don't remember touching the ball. I remember chasing a lot and I remember seeing being in my half. I, I'm sure I came on left midfield as well, by the way. You replaced Andy Robertson, I think, but I, it could have been like a reshuffle or whatever at that point. So um, I'll tell you what, Mulgrew up against Giroud, though, that, that's two fine hairlines there. Yeah, there is, there's, there's a few nice. Um, Soft skin as well. I think that uh, both of those players look after themselves very, very well. Uh, but listen, I mean, Giroud still showed last night. Still a terrific player. Yeah. Uh, and then they've got Taram to come on. And you know, the, well, you Coleman just... actually played that night against you, um, and he uh, he obviously scored last night as well, yeah. didn't he? I mean, listen, you, you look at the. I always think there's a lot of well-organized teams now. There's a lot of teams with a really good structure, a really good balance in terms of length of the players. Charlie says possession of the ball from. The defensive side to the midfield side, but it's that <laughs> little bit extra quality in the final third. If you look, uh, you know, when we played Spain, Marata had that movement, magnificent movement, those little quality passes where they can finish off. Harry Kane last night uh, for England, you know, and against Scotland, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago with Bellingham and people like that in the final third. And then obviously we, we know the number of players that France have, particularly Mbappe. But that's the one area that you can't just manufacture. You can do all the all the coaching, all the uh, uh, you know, all, all the structure you want, but yeah. you need that little bit extra at the top end of the pitch just to give you that wee bit of breathing space at times. And that's the reason why you know Charlie mentioned earlier the likes of McTominay and McGinn scoring goals from midfield. That's something that Scotland have brought to the table under Steve Clark that we didn't have yeah. because we don't have a natural out and out prolific goal scoring striker. So we have to find goals in other mm. areas, I've, and we have done that over the last eighteen months. Yeah, I understand you're saying there that you can't manufacture it, and I, and I kind of know what you're saying, but I think you can coach certain principles in the final third that can help have patterns at certain times to score goals. And I think there's no coincidence that McGinn and McTominay are playing in the higher positions in, ten, in the tens, so they're in better areas to get closer to the goal, to score goals. Mm. But for example, if you look at Postacoglu for Celtic, one of his patterns was play the ball, crosses from just uh, the, the byline, just at the 18-yard line, and it was always the striker goes across the front and the number eight's there for the cutback and somebody's in the back post. So if you look at the amount of goals that uh, Celtic got for that, you can have principles and ways of playing and you can coach. I know you can't control every movement in the final third, but I think you can coach principles in that final mm. third to create chances. Andy, does it? Do you think nights like last night can it help when when the Euros does come around? Can you take? You know, is it about learning lessons? I think so, guys. I, I don't think we're ever going to learn anything. Not to be disrespectful to other teams, but if we're playing teams that are same level or less than us, I think the only way you develop and and, and grow as a team is by going out there and, and playing the bigger teams and. You know, if you get beat 4-1, then what they do is they go away and they look at it and say, what can we do better? And if you play another good team, then you try and work on some of those lessons and, and try and, you know, it gives you a wee bit of exposure to how the be the better teams and bigger teams play because, you know, there is a gulf between us. Nobody, I didn't go in there thinking we were going to beat France, not for a minute. Um, even when Gilmore scored, there was still that bit of me thinking, this is a, a world-class team here, do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? We, we're probably still going to get beat, but it, it, for me as a, support, a Scotland supporter, it's all about the performance. And I thought the guys that were brave last night. That's the best way to describe it. They, they were fearless at times. I, I don't think it looked like Scotland teams in the past that you know shrivelled up and sat behind the ball, eleven players. They actually went out and gave it a go. And 
I was quite proud of him. I, I thought it was brilliant to watch. You know, it's not brilliant to watch four goals going against no. you, but it was brilliant to see some of the, the plays that we had and some of the chances that we created and crosses into the box. And I mean, the penalty for me, it was a stonewall penalty. I, I would have been raging if it was in the other box and we didn't get it. So, um, but if you think about it, and Barty scores a penalty, he sets one up, and, you know, that's the difference between us and them, do you know what I mean? Charlie, particularly you and you, from, from a Scotland perspective, is it, how important is mentality? So take Nathan Patterson as an example. How important is it that you genuinely do look at that team, see that you're up against Mbappe and think, well, good, you know, I, I need to test myself here, I need to try and do it because for mere mortals like me, and that's, well, apart from the obvious lack of ability and all that <laughs> sort of stuff, that would be the difference. For me, it would be thinking, oh no, this is going to be a nightmare. But what was that like for you when you came up against top players in, for Scotland? Now we're right, we're deep into the psychology side <laughs> of it now because when I, you turn up to play for a game and it's not spoke about a lot of the time, um, Jim, you know yourself, there's an anxiety there, there's a nervousness there. You're a human being, these things go through your mind. So it's still all, natural. Uh, it's natural, right. a natural, it's a natural thought process. What if he goes by me in the first two minutes? What if he turns me inside out? What if I'm ridiculed in front of these fans? What if I get on the ball and give the ball away? These are natural things you think about as a football player. I think it's who deals with these best and how how you then deal with them. And, and Andy mentioned a word there, of fearless and bravery. And I think that's what it comes down to, especially to get on the ball when your team are playing away to France, maybe three or two or three, one down. Get on the ball, show that bravery, and your teammate gives an angle, opens up a passing lane, so then he's showing that bravery to get on it. And all of a sudden, when a team or a team start doing that and stand in the right areas, you always, all of a sudden get a team that can have more possession. And the big word is bravery and fearless. But you're, you're never going to be completely free of fear. There's there's always going to be that slight doubt. You're playing against Mbappe. You're playing against these top players. You're going to doubt yourself, but it's how you deal with that and how you come through and how you, you shine through your true self and come uh, come out the other end. Who were the opponents for... Because you, you, I mean, you've had a wealth of it at club mm -hmm. level in the Champions League, but in a Scotland jersey, who were the opponents that you thought were you know, out of this world? Um, I would have to say the... The Germany team then were, were unbelievable. You had Tony Cruz and and players like that. You had uh, the French team we played against was was Giroud up front and there's uh, a boy from Atletico Madrid, Griezmann, Griezmann and, and and Pogba and all these players and, and you came up against them. But you, you, there is that um, self doubt at times. But you need to deal with it and you need to go on with it and you need to you need to. Um, you need to go out there and play because there's no there's no hiding place and you, and you want to put on the best performance and see once the game starts and once you're into it and you realise these guys are just human beings you realise hold on a minute it only takes one header or one tackle or a couple of nice passes and you think oh I belong here I'm alright here I'm fine and, and that's how your confidence grows but at a national level you're playing against top class players every single game I mean there's, there's, there's players that I, I couldn't even tell you their name and you think top, top end yeah. if you're playing for an international team Nine times out of ten, you're you're, a, you're, you're challenging a yourself as well, aren't you, to, to 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 compete against the very best, you know, whether it's domestically or, or internationally yeah. or European level, as Charlie has played. But again, players nowadays have you know psychologists, sports psychologists. There's a lot, there's a lot of work goes into the background to deal with a lot of situations. The, the, the wee tweaks that somebody like Nathan Parson would have last night is Nathan Parson, like all fullbacks these days, would love to bomb forward. But you know, Mbappe's not going to track you. He's not going to run back. I watched the the, the England game last night and the, the parts of that as well. And the first goal that uh, or the goal that Italy scored is 
Marcus Rashford was just delaying tracking the runner. But he actually went back, whereas somebody like Mbappe wouldn't. So you're, you're, if you're a normal player like Chelsea and Nathan Parson, you think Billy Gilmore's got the ball or whoever's Ferguson's uh, <laughs> um, got the ball and you think, I'll go and support. And then you look and you think, wait a minute, he's 20 yards up the pitch. What if I lose the ball here? So it puts those little yeah. elements of doubt and you've got to be able to deal with that as well as as much as possible playing your own game. But that's difficult. Thank you to Andy. Let's bring in Jerry and Rutherglen. How's it going, Jerry? Hey, yeah, all good, all good. Thanks very much for taking my call. It's our Jerry, pleasure, Jim. Jerry. What did you make of it then? Did we did we learn anything we can take forward? Well, I think we did actually. You know what I mean? Because if we, if you have a look at last night, we made what six, seven changes to our team. You know, France put out their first team. You know, you've got a generation of talent in Kieran Mbappe. You know, you've got Giroud, you've got Griezmann, you've got Mbappe. The only other two. Top scorers in France's history are um, Thierry Henry and Michel Platini. You know, so I think last night, I didn't even put it as a sort of wake-up call or a reality check. I think uh, this is what all these guys have changed their entire lives for. They're putting in all the hours, and uh, I can't suspect that uh, if Tim Duffy or Charlie McGrew had the opportunity to run over hot coals to play against that first team. You know, so I think this is where Scotland need to go. We need to be playing against teams that are at that level and that calibre uh, because of the fact that we've all been going to Euros next year. We've all been playing teams that are a far higher grade than us. So playing against Lexi Motors, Sanderbys, Jans in the world, it's not going to tell Stevie Clark and about his team. These are the people that we've been pitching against. These are the lessons that we've learned. And the other reality is, all these boys that were playing against that team last night, there's no doubt about it, they left out up a hell of a lot more learning from that than going out there and beating a team mm. five, six, nothing, which I think will stand as a good step for next year. I think it was eight, I think actually eight changes, wasn't it? Because Gilmore, he didn't start no, didn't the start. Spain game, did he? No. They're just counting through them there, eight uh, in total. So um, it was, it was, football's not always this simple, is it, to say, well, if Scotland had played their strongest mm-hmm. 11, the scoreline would somehow have been closer, but the logic would follow that you would have given ourselves a, yeah, a better chance. Possibly, but you know, the, I think and then the, France the, could turn it the, on more. The, the biggest, the biggest thing uh, is that we've had those those last three games. As we said England, Spain, and France. Now, you know, there's another about seven, eight months, or whatever happens to go before the tournament begins next year. Um, so therefore, that gives not just the players time, but also Stevie Clark and his coaching staff time to look and say, mm-hmm. right. Do we play the same system? Do we have to tweak the system? Are the current crop of players, are we missing one or two wee things? So it just gives everybody the awareness and the knowledge of what to do when the tournament comes up. Knowing you're not going to dismantle it, but you just need to tweak one or two wee things, particularly when you come up against the very best. I think when you look through Scotland squad, you've got, you've got a Champions League winner that never played last night. You've got Premier League players that didn't play last night. And I think... The mix of Scotland squad is Champions League winners, Premier League players, and then you have some Championship players. Whereas the likes of France in that, yeah. they've got players playing in European top leagues, playing in the Champions League, playing the Premier League, and that they can make a couple of changes. Whereas when we make a few changes, it does it does take away for us. I mean, you, you take a Champions League winner captain out your team straight away. It's it's a big loss. You've got Kieran Tierney who's missing. It's 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 going to be difficult. So I think it makes it even. The, the the performance even better for Scotland because if we did have these players playing you just never know and 
hopefully when it comes to Euros next year we'll have these players a full, fully fit squad we'll have a run at it the manager of time now in the next camp to to play to play game. I know he wants to try and win the group but let's be honest that's probably unlikely now with Spain will probably win their next two mm-hmm, games yeah. and if we win the group it's a bonus and then the fact they're there he's got time to now see right how do we prepare now for the, mm-hmm. for the Euros? Uh, Jerry, how good was it to see Billy Gilmore score not only his first Scotland goal but just his first, his first goal, goal. <laughs> his first senior goal? Senior goal. No, I thought that was incredible. It was a brilliant goal as well. Uh, the lad deserves that. He's worked, he's not his pants off, you know, to get rid of thought. Um, but just going back to what Charlie said there just now about making those changes, you know, and if we had a first team squad, would it have made any difference? To be honest, I don't really know. And to be perfectly honest, I don't really care. I don't think last night was about the draw and the result. Um, I think everybody's been talking recently about how Stevie Clark has managed to instill this sort of club ethos within the national team. And you've got uh, guys clambering to be in that squad. And they all support each other. They all sit there on the bench. They're all there to be a, a hand round the back when things don't go well. I think last night was really, really clever with Stevie Clark. So you've got the likes of Lewis Ferguson, you've got Gilmore Starr, Nathan Patterson at the back, the two the two keepers that have both been played. You know, who gets to say they've been, uh, had their debut against France? So I think last night was really, really clever psychologically for Stevie Clark to have that uh, bonding within the team and also say to the other guys, your places aren't they always guaranteed. He is a... He is a, a um, you know, a loyal guy, mm-hmm. but you know you've got you've got a good caliber of players. Not as good as France, not as good as England. I'll take that on board. But for me, I, I remember I thought when Billy Gilmore scored the goal last night, it was almost like a Dave Neary moment for the World Cup against Scotland. <laughs> like, oh dear God, <laughs> I've annoyed them. You know, I. But I think that was really clever with Stevie Clark giving all these boys a chance. Yeah. Good man, Jerry. We'll have to leave it there. Extremely late for this. We've gone a full week without giving any money away on Make Me A Winner. Every day since Thursday, we've made the call and people have said hello when they've picked up the phone, which in normal circumstances is perfectly acceptable behaviour, but not when you need to say make me a winner straight away to win the money. So hopefully you can be the one that ends this run. You could be the winner of £118,000 tomorrow when we make another call, but you need to be in the draw. So text yes to 61025. £2 to text plus your standard network rate Clyde1.com You can enter online for £2 Or call 0330-880-4523 Calls charged at a standard rate It's over 18s only But remember if you've entered since David won on Wednesday the 11th Your entry is still in the draw You don't need to re-enter All the rules for this network competition are online So if you get the call after 3pm tomorrow Thursday the 19th of October Answer within five rings Say make me a winner straight away Even if it's a withheld number A caller ID you don't recognise Just answer with make me a winner to be safe So text yes to 61025 right now Good luck 0141-951-1025 This is Scottish football's league leader Clyde One Super Scoreboard Charlie Mulgrew and Jim Duffy Are about to be joined by Ken Who is on the line Take it away Ken Hi guys, how you doing? Nice to talk to you, Jim and Charlie. What's happening tonight, Ken? What have you got for us? I was just to say the the the, the, the France game last night. I mean, when I when I saw the starting lineup, I, I just thought this isn't going to be our night, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, as you were saying so last night, you know what I mean. 
somebody if you tell France it's just a penalty you know what I mean yeah, but, took it seriously didn't they oh god guy I mean <laughs> I mean I thought they, I thought the guy did they did well they did well even though the, the, the scoreline was, was, was 4-1 you know, I thought it shows promise for the, the years, the years ahead, and the campaigns ahead. You know, I thought Cooper was good, that especially that wee flick he did. And I can't remember the French play they did it on, but I remember the commentator saying it's the sort of movie you expect the French to do. Yeah, there's no else to do it then. You know what I mean? Oh, that was a wee um, back heel, wasn't it? Yeah, he had a nice bit of composure. Um, but what, what do you, can you take? It was, look, it's just a friendly, Ken, and it was it was a four-one defeat. But you still think that stands Scotland in good stead in some way going forward? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, in years gone by, we've played a lot of minnows and whatnot, and I don't really think you learn a great deal from playing them. You know, you can be embarrassed a few times playing them, but when you you play in the likes of France, I mean, they're favourites to win the Euros in, uh, next year. You know what I mean? So, and even against England, you know, there's there's some of the top teams in the world. You know, and we know we're a wee bit off of that, but. The guys, I mean, I was surprised at how many changes Steve Clark made, but it was good to see the likes of Lewis Ferguson and Cooper and Greg Taylor and Patterson, you know, them getting a start, you know what I mean? And I, I was, I, I enjoyed the performance. I mean, yeah, with the talent that France had, they were, they were really peppering our, our, our goal. They were really getting at us. And I thought both keepers did. Did well to keep the score down at four, and I couldn't blame any of them. Any of the two keepers for any of the goal. Charlie, it's changed a bit since since your day because. And how how does that sound? I mean, you feel old. <laughs> <laughs> retired six weeks ago, and I've got right. in your day. Your day. Um, but the structure of international football now with the Nations League, yep. how beneficial do you think all of this is? Because I was thinking about it earlier. Now. Constantly playing competitive games. But last night, you know, hardly we hardly play any friendlies. Went into the last Euros with a team full of inexperienced players. Now everybody's got loads of caps, and it's kind of constantly giving players the chance to sort of learn together, grow together, and build a bit of momentum. Because you don't have a random friendly against them, you know, where all of a sudden you do change the team. It feels like everybody's just constantly having to be at it in big games. Yeah, I think it's important to play competitive games. Any player wants to play competitive games, and I think the important thing Steve Clark did last night was. He showed the players that there's a chance, there's a way through, there's a way to get caps. If you're constantly turning up with squads and you and you you don't see a glimmer of light and you don't see a chance to get in the team, it gets disheartening and, and, and it's difficult to to continue to turn up and never get never pick a cap up. I mean, there's been many players through the years that have that have turned up for Scotland mm. and they've not got a Scotland cap. And that's why it's so good for the likes of Liam Kelly in that last night and, and, and Xander Clark to get a Scotland cap and you can say they're a Scotland international, have got a Scotland cap and that helps with a profile going forward with, with clubs and um, whatever happens in their career. But no, I think I think he got it spot on last night with the changes. He gave the, the players that get a chance to play, get a chance to step up there and show that there's there's a chance mm. to get in this team and, and, and play. How, we, good, how good does the first one Feel, I mean, Liam Kelly and Xander Clark are spoiled away to France against Mbappe. Some of you have to settle for away in Slovenia. You've just googled that, yeah. yeah I, was gonna, I, was, I was gonna say <laughs> that there, aye, <laughs> for your it, first cap. Uh, I what a feeling it was, though. I mean, it's surreal actually growing up watching Scotland and all of a sudden you've got a cap for your country and and you don't get handed the cap straight away. They go around and they, they, they hand you a pen and, and then the cap comes maybe the next, the next, um, right. the actual cap comes maybe the next camp. 
But just to know that you've got that one cap for Scotland and you, you've played for your national team is, is a, f- a huge sense of pride. And and it's um, I remember sitting in the changing room, me and Russell Martin made a debut the same night away to Slovenia. The cross came from my side and the guy scored at a back post at his <laughs> side. So <laughs> two spoke about it actually recently when I was done seeing him. And we spoke about how, how that night, but you're still sitting in the changing room. We drew one each, Christoph Berra scored a header. And it's a great sense of pride and and a great feeling it gets you started and you think you just want many, many more after that. Oh, you did all right after that. Another 43. Thank you to Ken on the line. It is that time of the night already. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the scottishsun.co.uk slash football. But how do the nerves in your Scotland debut compare to the nerves on Beat the Pundit? That's what we're about to find out, potentially. If you want to take on Charlie Mulgrew or Jim Duffy, you have to call now. Call before 7 o'clock on 01419511025. Tackle the headlines. 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Jim Duffy and Charlie Mulgrew are in the building and you can get in touch on the phones or on Twitter 01419511025 or at Clyde SSB uh, We've done a lot on Scotland last night and more generally If you want to keep that going you can do It might be a good time though to switch focus to domestic football The biggest story this week clearly has been the new Rangers manager So Rangers fans, what are you thinking tonight? Give us a call right now if you can And don't forget everyone who comes on to speak to the guys tonight We'll go into the draw for a pair of tickets to Air Racecourse's Bookmakers Race Day on the 4th of November as well. It'll be a top day out that. Seven jumps races, hours of live entertainment. It's the last Saturday fixture of the year as well. And you could be there simply by phoning up and talking football with the guys. So do it for us right now if you can and we'll speak to you after we play this. Beat the Pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the scottishsun.co.uk slash football. I'm calling it right now tough questions tonight. I don't know how that makes you feel. Don't hang up, Mark and Hamilton. Are you ready? <laughs> yep, I'm ready, mate. Good, good stuff. Have you ever played before? I've never played first time, mate. Good. See, most people do phone in for the first time. Last night's guy had played loads of times <laughs> and he was adamant that he was... Um, and he didn't take he didn't take it kindly when we suggested that he probably hadn't won before because he wasn't very good last <laughs> night. And he sent a picture straight in of his sign ball. Um, just to let you know how it's going this season, Mark, Charlie, and Jim have just been asked to sign seven balls uh, during the break mm-hmm. there, so we can barely afford to give away anymore. If it's heads, you will take on Jim. If it's tails, it will be Charlie. And it is tails. Yes, you are waiting for your chance. Uh, he's wanting his chance, Charlie. They're not easy tonight, though. I'm telling you, they're anyway, not easy. No, oh, no, no, they're not. Right, let's give uh, give Charlie some greatest hits radio to listen to, so that he can't hear what's going on. Uh, Thirty seconds, Mark. Just answer as many as you can. If you want to pass and move on to the next question, that is fine. Okay. Right, no right, 30 seconds on the clock, and your time starts now. Who are Rangers playing in the League Cup semi-final next month? Hearts. Which Celtic player was on the bench for Denmark against San Marino yesterday? Uh, pass. Name any player who started all of Scotland's games against England, Spain, and France. Uh, pass, pass. How many teams have never been relegated from the Scottish top flight? Take a while, guess at three. Name any Celtic or Rangers player who scored a league penalty this season. Tavernier. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Right, let's bring back Charlie Mulgrew if we can. Charlie, can you hear us? Yes. Don't be nervous, you ready? No. Same set of questions. Okay. And your time starts now. Who are Rangers playing in the League Cup semi-final next month? Pass. Which Celtic player was on the bench for Denmark against San Marino yesterday? 
Matt O'Reilly Name any player who started all of Scotland's games against England, Spain and France Pass How many teams have never been relegated from the Scottish top flight? Four Name any Celtic or Rangers player who scored a league penalty this season Tavernier Who was the last Scottish team Liam Kelly played with before Motherwell? Livingston Who joined Celtic from Dundee United in July 2022? Three, two, one. Time up. Mark, how do you think it went? I've done all right, to be honest. I'm a bit disappointed in myself, but I thought I'd done all right. I know. Who's in the background, Mark? Sorry, mate. Somebody in the background giving you moral support there? Aye, my, my mate Oh, you're brave doing that with some pals in the car. I'm telling you, he wasn't any much. He wasn't much use. I didn't hear him helping you out. <laughs> Just sat in silence. Now he's now he's giving it the criticism after it's finished. And look, uh, Charlie McGrew, remind me. Last time you were here, did somebody tell? I think whoever you were on with gave you advice and said, if you don't know it, pass quickly. Yes, they did. That was the quickest I've ever seen you move the ball. Well, yes. That was rapid, uh, and it might have paid off. Hearts play Rangers though in the League Cup semi. Mark got it he's 1-0 up the Celtic player on the bench for Denmark was Matt O'Reilly equaliser Charlie McGrew did you see the scenes when San Marino equalised yesterday you not see it no, no. so obviously they, be- they never get a result but no. they barely even score I think it's been 12 games and they levelled against right. Denmark and the place went nuts <laughs> it's like one each in the game yeah. the subs were on players were running about everywhere jumping it was brilliant and unfortunately Denmark spoiled the party and won 2-1 anyway it's level here uh, Jim any player that started all of Scotland's games against England McTominay. Spain and France McTominay or Hendry would be your choices there so it's still one all how many teams have never been relegated from the top flight well we had a bit of a mad spell didn't we Were even all of our most of our big clubs um, had a, a spell out of it it's only Celtic and Aberdeen and in my lifetime which is the important barometer here it's Celtic, Aberdeen and Motherwell there you go that's what you really need to know uh, so we're still level you both went James Tavernier for the league penalty you could have gone Turnbull or Hatati had you wanted uh, and Livingston was the Scottish team Liam Kelly played for so that swings it in Charlie Mulgrew's favour 3-2 and you were out of time Mark for what it's worth Celtic to Dundee United was Benjamin Seagrass but Mark he was just quick he was he was sharp tonight and it wasn't enough hard lines unlucky Mark yeah. he done very well cheers mate says grudgingly hey. anyway. he's gloating here Mark he's gloating <laughs> thank you Mark and your pal hey. in the background all the best cheers buddy good man yeah. There we go. The good see the, the thing that worries me, I don't know what he's shouting in the back. <laughs> so somebody's about to tweet in and say, Why did you not cut him off? Because he was shouting something untoward, but hopefully not. not hopefully not we're fine. Sure he was uh, all yeah. good and well. There we are. There we are, victory. Happy with victory. that. Victory, delighted with that. Yeah, delighted with that bit of advice that I was given was very helpful. Was it not Gordon Deal that gave you that advice? It might have been. See if I could give you some advice, I never take advice from him <laughs> on anything. It might have worked tonight. But I thought you went too fast. It was more than 50% possession there with the amount oh, of passes. Right, pass, 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 pass. Ticky tacka Charlie, I'm going to call him after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Nah, you, listen, a win is a win. You take that all day long. Thank you to Mark. 0141 951 1025. That is the number you need. You can tweet us at Clyde SSB as well. So get your thoughts in there. If you would rather communicate that way, but it goes without saying, prefer to speak to you on the phones. We've done a lot on Scotland. We could well get back there, but it's been a big week, Jim. Anytime one of the big two in Glasgow appoint a new manager, it's massive news. What what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, you know, the, the, the I don't think there was a host of candidates out there that uh, 
was um, you know rapping, the, rapping on the door that you know particularly the the Rangers fans um, you know were, were were getting excited about as I said it came down to the two Kevin Musket and uh, Clement and obviously um, Clement won it so you know listen I I just think it's it's living else you have to give managers um, an opportunity to put their stamp on the team but it is more difficult um, after the transfer window. In mid-season, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it. In mid-season, it is much more difficult. The players are already there. You didn't select those yeah. players. You didn't recruit those players. Um, as as um, Charlie had said earlier on, you might want to play a particular style and you don't have the players there to do that. So you then have to adapt in the meantime. Um, you know, where it's a clean slate, you know, most managers do go in uh, at this stage and they give everyone a bit of a, a clean slate and say, okay, show us what you're, you're made of. Um, and I'll and I'll give you an opportunity. So there's you know there's a lot there's a lot of excitement I think which is right. Um, you know there is is a new challenge, but you know Rangers have brought in recently Stephen Gerrard, Gian uh, Giovanni Van Brockhurst, uh, and obviously Michael Beale. And you know for one reason or another there, there's been elements that haven't quite clicked. So you know the the manager mm. knows now. Um, Philippe Clément will know. He has to get it right And he has to get it right quickly And now they've gone down the route Of a big Stern Strict Baldy manager Is that the way to go? Of course um, I so don't know it, it depends uh, Listen You never judge a book by its cover As they say You know I'm sure he's got A, a, a bit of a sense of humour I'm sure he can lighten the thing up But Again Getting his backroom staff he's, there's, there's talk about Bringing someone in Who knows the Rangers Knows the You know What it means uh, You know To the demands of being Being the, the Rangers manager at, at the club But again from him Personally It's going to take him time He doesn't know What like it is To go to Tynecastle Pittori He doesn't know the rivalry He'll know the rivalry Between Rangers and Celtic Of course he will But he doesn't know The intensity That other clubs Bring to, to the games as well Particularly away yeah. from home so listen, there's an awful lot of um, you know information that's going to have to be filtered in very very quickly. But um, as I said, he's the man with the job now. He's the man with the hot seat, and he knows that coming with that responsibility, um, you know, you know, becomes a real real yeah. challenge. But it's one he looks to, as if he's wanting to take take on board. Let's bring in Billy, who's a Rangers fan. What what have you made of the sort of first few days, Billy, and the sound bites, and and what, what do you think? What you're looking forward to seeing in the next you know couple of days and weeks and months? Hi, Gordon. Thanks for putting me on. And um, I'm, I'm I'm pleased that um, he's been put in as a manager, and rather than Kevin Musket as a player. Um, this guy's come in here. He's he's proved himself. You know, I mean, obviously with his record. And I just hope that um, all the fans, the real Rangers fans, give him time. Because uh, I think the problem with Rangers is they don't give them enough time. You know, I mean, the fans, I'm talking about, not the board, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the fans, they're, they're on their back straight away. I, I, I listened to him yesterday and they said it was a marathon and no a sprint. And I can see that happening. You know, I can see that. I we're not going to be, if, if we get a couple of hangmen, if we get the trophy this season, we're not going to win the league. I know we're not going to win the league this season because seven points is a big, a big, big thing to overturn, especially the way um, they're playing, you know, the east side of the city. Um, but I think 
if he can get himself sorted out, and I can, he needs to turn the players about. And I, I don't think that all the players that were brought in in the summer are all duds. But I just think Michael Beale just didn't have the. I know he didn't have the presence about him, and he couldn't have the ability. Mm. Charlie, I wonder if should be. Billy's got the league totally written off. You would have been part of a bigger swing than seven points later than this, would you not? Mark Wilson references it time to time. Yeah, so we, I assume we, we swung a fifteen point back after October. It was near enough, nearly eighteen. We were three 0 down at Kilmarnock away, and Rangers were playing that afternoon. We came back and drew three each, and Rangers drew that afternoon. So it was fifteen points still in October, and we came back and won the league by. by ah, that's right. That's the one Neil Lennon says he was. You know, he's out a job at half time yeah. sort of thing yeah we went a point clear at Boxing Day Joe Ledley we beat Rangers 1-0 at home I think it was running about Boxing Day and we went we went a point clear at Boxing Day so it's, it's amazing what can happen but um, Celtic seem to be Rangers were in a different kind of time with a, with a, a, a space and time than, than Celtic are now Rangers seem to be seem to be struggling then Celtic seem to be in their stride at the mm. moment playing well I can't see them turning turning around a seven point deficit at this moment in time. Anything can happen, but but um, I'm interested to know, Billy, how how much time is is are you talking about? Because I mean, it's easy to say give them time, but are we talking to the end of this season and then they must win next year's league, or what? What would what, what's your opinion on that? Well, um, when we get to January, you know, I mean, um, see what's. I mean, obviously, he doesn't know. He, he's coming in as a, a manager and he's got the players there that's there. If he can bring in his own managers and then next season build towards, I'm not saying he's going to win everything next season. You know what I mean? But, uh, but second in Scotland is last, isn't it? How difficult is that then, right? This subject of timing. And you're right, because oh, on one hand, you keep hearing that, um, but on the other, Presumably Rangers can't keep changing their manager every November. I think, so, you know, uh, what would you do? I think you, Rangers need to see a clear style of play on the pitch that you can see if the manager gets, gets a couple of windows, he brings his players in, there's potential in the next couple of years to win the league back of, of Celtic. Because Celtic are miles ahead at the moment in terms of... They've, they've brought a manager in, but they, under Ange, they had Brendan Rodgers, then they had Ange, who took over, who was unbelievable, then Brendan Rodgers back, who's a, who's a great manager... So they're kind of miles ahead. They, they seem to be in their stride. I think Rangers need a manager now that comes in, clear style of play. Everybody can see what they're trying to do and build on that and get his own players in. And he's not going to turn over 11, 12 players in January. So he needs to get the best out of the players that are there. Mm. And any manager that's worth a salt or, or is going to have a good career and, and going to do well at Rangers is going to need to manage the players that are yeah. in the building very well let's hear a bit more from the press conference yesterday it was a, an epic in terms of duration so we didn't get anywhere near um, all of it out last night let's hear on Philippe Clement talking about his thoughts for the January transfer window like many parts we talked about many things um, of course it's it's a part but I'm also somebody who likes to see first what is the potential that is there already I'm not somebody who wants every year like 10 new players and say, okay, uh, this one, this one is not good enough. I'm somebody who likes to invest in people, wants to find the key to get the best out of them. So we need to use the next weeks, months also to do that in the, in the best way. So all the players with me 
maybe not with some fans, and that's a little bit pity maybe, but with me everybody started with the white page this week. So everybody has the chances also until January to prove themselves, to show that they are really good players, that they want to be on the pitch, that they want to make the difference for the club, that they want to give everything, and then we will see. Mm. I've got an interesting line in there. So it sounds like he knows that the fans have maybe given up on one or two of the players because he says, you know, they start on a, a blank page, blank clean page, slate. Yeah, yeah. With me, mm-hmm. maybe not some of the fans. Yeah. That's a pity. Maybe it sounds like he knows that some yeah, of them. Are, listen, he's got to have done his research. Uh, you know, before you take the job uh, a club at Rangers, you do as much uh, research as you possibly can. Uh, you get as much information, not just in the players, but in the club, and you know everything that surrounds it, particularly the fans and what the demands and expectations are. But you know the, you know you still have to get it right. I mean, Billy was saying there about winning trophies, but you know you can, you know, uh, Van Brockers won the Scottish Cup, gets to the final European uh, trophy, which is you know is a remarkable, really. You know when you think about it, but it still wasn't good enough. So you've got to be winning the major games. You've got to be getting past Celtic, not just competing against Celtic you've got to actually be better than mm. Celtic and that's another challenge that a lot of other managers don't have they just focus on their own club but there's a different demand if you're a manager of Rangers or Celtic and as Charlie says at this moment in time Celtic with their recruitment policy with their structure uh, infrastructure everything you know the management side of it are ahead and also, Philip Clement is inheriting a big squad. I mean, Michael Beale invested heavily yeah. in the summer. See, see, on that, let me ask, Billy, of, of the players that have been sort of criticised, Billy, which ones do you think can be turned around by a new manager? And are there any that you think are lost causes? Um, obviously, Simmons come on there again. Um, I, I still think Simmer, um, Simmer's going to be the man. Dessa. I can see I can see his potential in Desert. Alright, he's no scored and all the rest of it, but he's um if 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 he gets a point and he can start scoring and all the rest of it, I think Desert will become a I think Desert will become a player. He'll be an interesting one because Billy I would not not disagree with Billy's optimism, it's his opinion. I do feel like we get a lot of callers on here who don't think Dessers can be can be brought back if you like. I think Dessers and Lammers I think the two that's the, the judgment listen Michael Beale was unlucky with injuries to key players we know sure. that particularly Raskin was out for us particularly Cantwell as we know Lawrence there are some very very good players in there if they're fit and available but the likes of Danilo as well getting injured um, Dessers is, the, the jury's out there's no doubt about it but he may be a, a, a type of striker or a type of player that needs to play in a different style and whether Philippe Clement can find that style and that balance to give him the support he needs. Charlie was talking earlier on about, you know, a structure, putting in structures that help certain players, mm. and maybe he hasn't mm. had that, Charlie. I don't know if you, he you said, think about him. You he know? Said, I liked what he said in the press conference there about basically man-managing, managing players to get the best out of them. And if he's true to his word and, he, and that is a strength of his, then you can any player, any player can thrive under that. I, I've seen it many a time. Jim, Jim, you uh, you know yourself. It's unconfidence. It's massive confidence. Is, is everything in the game? You can go for on your knees, thinking you can't string a pass together, thinking you can't win a tackle, you can't win a header. To a manager coming in, showing a bit of belief in you, gaining that trust in you, whatever it is, known, known emotional intelligence, known what it takes to get the best out of you, and all of a sudden you turn into mm. a different player and a couple of wins and that, and you. It, 
all of a sudden you're the fans favourite. It only takes a couple of goals and did, a couple of results. Did you ever have anything that drastic where one manager made such an impact on you personally or never had to? Um, did I have that impact? Well, Neil Lennon was brilliant for me. I loved the way Neil Lennon managed me. Um, a lot, um, other people maybe not agree with that. Nowadays, we get the way the way people act. But Neil Lennon told me straight when it when things were were, were good and when they weren't, and I, I really gained my trust. I gained his trust, and we had a good mm. relationship that way, and it, and it thri- I thrived on the pitch. Whereas you get some managers that maybe don't tell you straight, and uh, that wasn't the way to manage me. Yeah. Um, all right, Billy. Thanks a lot for your thoughts, your time tonight. That was Billy on the line. He goes into the hat for the air races tickets. You could too. And now would be a good time to call. Clyde One Super Scoreboard Hear it Watch it Search the YouTube stream now Taking your calls on Scottish football 0141 951 1025 This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard Charlie McGrew and Jim Duffy Are about to team up To try and come up with the answers to this Full time teaser So let me give you the question the Full Time Teaser With Sliding Wardrobe Solutions East Kilbride Slad wall panels available in seven colours Now in stock at East Kilbride At competitive prices Right, this is all about goal scorers Now I know we've got two cultured defenders <laughs> in the studio The clean sheet has never been more guaranteed On Clyde One Super Scoreboard than it is tonight But you need to show me your knowledge of goal scorers Thanks to Graham Brunton for sending it in And it's a cracker There are ten players who've scored at least 100 goals in the English Premier League and they've also scored a goal at Ibrooks or Celtic Park. So there are 10 players who've scored at least 100 goals in the English Premier League, which is quite some going, but they've also scored at Ibrooks or Celtic Park in a competitive game. So it could obviously be for Rangers or Celtic yeah, so or like maybe... Henry Larson. Uh, no, he's not got 100 English Premier League goals. No, no, he's not. See? I'm just thinking the ones that scored nah, goals no, in England. No, 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 no. Okay, right, I'm with you. So 100 goals in England and scored... They've scored at Ibrox or Celtic Park. Right, so four in competition stuff mm-hmm. like that. Right, okay. Right. Henri? Yes. Henry, right. Scored at Celtic Park, didn't he, in the Champions League? Were you involved? I wasn't, no. no that, that was before that your time. Before that was before Barclay the Champions League. Okay. Uh, Alan Shearer? Nope. Shearer was... Always Newcastle, wasn't he? Didn't get to play. Alone. Yes. Going way back, 97, 98, scored at Celtic Park. Wayne Rooney. Yes, scored at Ibrox in the Champions League 2010-11. Okay, we'll leave it there. That's three. You've got seven more to get. Thanks to Graham for the question. And if you like the sound of that game, you like the idea that you could send a question in and have it used on the show, it's full time at Clyde1.com. Brian is in Bishop Briggs. How's it going, Brian? Hiya, guys. How are you doing? Not Hi, bad Brian. at all. How are you? Ah, no bad, no bad. Uh, just back to Portugal, so I'm uh, kind of gutted to be back. But anyway, I don't blame. It's freezing. You're better off aye, in Portugal. Aye, what aye. business pleasure? Oh, it was pleasure. It was pleasure. Oh, Getting so. any golf in Charlie McGrews. I'm honestly never off the golf course. This guy. <laughs> no, I didn't play any golf. I spent most of my time on the strip. But anyway, all right. <laughs> I will move on. <laughs> um, so I was just phoning the right guys just to get their panel's opinion on something that's been really kind of bugging me for the past wee while with this Rangers team. Um, I mean, it's it's in regards to like the just kind of fight and passion that looks within the squad, if you get what I mean. So, like for example, when they go a goal down or something like that, I just don't see any kind of fight or any passion within the squad to kind of bring it back. And I'm going to 
relate to a game that I was actually at, and we're talking pre-COVID, and it was the, I don't know if you'll remember it well, but it was the Bayer Leverkusen game at Ibrooks when Kai Havertz was still there. Yep. And I'll never forget what actually happened that night. Um, as soon as the as soon as the full time whistle went, um, even though we get beat three one, and Kai Havertz was outstanding that night, the full stadium was still applauding the players walking off the park, and it was something that really stuck with me all these years because it just shows you that even if our Rangers team goes out there and put the fight and desire into the, the game that we know they can, they'll still get respect from the fans and. I think a lot of it boils down to the captaincy. Um, I'm not going to doubt James Tavernier's ability as a player, but I just feel like the new manager coming in really needs to address that because I just don't see any fight or any passion. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, let's hear from Philippe Clement on that very topic. He says James Tavernier will keep the armband. I don't see a reason for the moment to change those things. I think uh, I need to focus on on many others for the moment. And... uh, and step by step looking what is the best story for the club but I don't see a, a reason for the moment to change that now um, I mean Brian that's obviously it doesn't sound like that's the answer you wanted but to go back to the Bayer Leverkusen game if you're praising the fight then I mean that would have been under James Tavernier's captaincy would it not? That was um, what I was going to say um, and I want to clarify that I'm no doubting uh, how good a servant he's been to the club and um his stats and stuff, they all speak for themselves. But, I mean, times change. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's no... I'm, I'm no doubting that he used to be a good captain and stuff. I actually liked him. And I still like him as a player. But I just don't feel that he's fit enough to be the armband nowadays. Who, who would you have, Brian, as captain in the current squad? See, this is the question. I don't have an answer to A lot of people are saying Jack Butland. But me, personally, I don't feel as if he's been in the door long enough. And that video... That was circulating on social media. I'm sitting and uh, stopping and talking to a fan. I mean, that that that's all smoke and mirrors. You can't really take that. You can't really say that Jack Butland deserves totally to be a captain just because he stopped and spoke to a fan. But that's a question that I don't really have an answer to right now. But I mean, I don't get paid the big money that the new manager does, so I feel like he should maybe take the reins on that. A caller asked this last night, Charlie, and. The response I gave Can I give it again To ask you I, Just a personal thing Would have been amazed If a new manager Comes in on day one yeah. To have not even seen Worked yeah. with the players And then just says But you're not the captain anymore yeah. Gives it to someone else Would would that work? First of all um, Brian What do you think A captain does? Well I mean I'm I'm Know of an age Of a certain vintage Going back to the 90s or anything, But I, I remember Barry Ferguson for example And I always remember The fighting desire he had When we went a goal down And stuff and you see them try to rally the players round and stuff. But we actions speak so much on a pitch. And when you see like heads, the heads dropping and stuff like that, I mean, that's not a good look for any captain. Yeah, but um, I know people automatically go to the manager and then once they've had a go at the manager, they then look at the captain. But there's only so much James Tavernier can do because different captains lead in different ways. And you're talking about Barry Ferguson and, and he was a bit of a shout on the screamer and... Um, and, and, and as much as the game's changed, that, that, that I understand what you're saying there. Scott Brown for Celtic maybe was was a different type of leader uh, again, but James Tavernier seems to, to lead with his goal scoring, his performance, his consistency, the amount of games he plays in a row. I just don't know what you expect from a captain. I mean, a captain automatically doesn't doesn't change the way a team play or, or decide the tactics or, or have that big influence, to be honest with you. I think that the manager has a huge influence in 
when a team are playing well and winning mm. games, nobody mentions the captain. What about the timing, though, um, Brian? Because I, I, let's say you're right. Let's say in the fullness of time, Philippe Clement either signs someone that he thinks is the perfect captain, or he finds he's got one. But, do you really think it's something that he should do now? I mean, what what sort of impact would that have? Have you not then completely lost James Tavernier and, and maybe some of the other players if you come and do it without even having assessed the situation? You've not even seen it up close. You might think, what what if what if Philippe Clement thinks James Tavernier's a brilliant captain? If he thinks that, then, I mean, there's not much I can do. But obviously the reason I phoned in the night was actually due to that clip that you um, played from the press conference there. Yeah. Um, like to to to, kind of, to know that it's not even like the no even in his mind whatsoever. It's it, it was just a wee bit. Yeah, it's not really something that I, I wanted to hear. I'm delighted he's came in. I'm delighted we've got a new manager. I can't wait to see what he does and stuff. But me personally, I just feel like I mean you see it every day on social media and stuff like that. Like talking about James Tavernier, this change the captaincy, and I'm just on that bandwagon. I just think it should be on the agenda. It's no. It's no the priority right now. I get that. The priority is to come in and get his winning games and get his playing good football again. I get that. But I feel like it's just something that should be looked at down the line. So to answer your question, I'm not coming on here and saying that it should be the first thing okay. on the list because that's not realistic. No, fair enough. See, see the thing about changing a captain as well. I think you need to tread carefully as a manager. Jim, you've been there before when you go into a new job. You come into a changing room. People, there's been a captain in place. He's under contract. If you all of a sudden say, okay, so you're no captain anymore, for example, Golson's now the captain, what does that leave your changing room in? What, 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 what do you do now with a player that's all of a sudden unhappy, causing unrest in your changing room, and it's day one, mm. and you've come in and changed the captain straight away? You need to, I think you need to pick your battles. First of all, you need to figure out what you want your captain to be. And, and and we don't know if James Tavernier has tried to rally the troops and tried to get them going because he's he's been a big player for Rangers and he's been in teams that have got big results. You've mentioned the Leverkusen game there. So obviously, did he rally the troops that night? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like Brian referenced that night and did mention the fact that not necessarily right now, but Jim, can it be difficult you ever changed a yeah. captaincy? Yeah, I have, but uh, I think that sometimes you give players responsibility, but it's... it's as Charlie's saying, it's about timing. You know, the dynamics of the dressing room are there. And also, you know, you know the, the, the kind of fist-clenching uh, captain, you know, the kind of vocal captain, that, that's pretty much gone now, I think. And any level of it, I don't really know one. Maybe there is, you know, someone, but, you know, I, I can't really think of one off the top of my head now that's that type of... Any club, any major club, they're, they're normally a bit more quieter. They've obviously got responsibilities within the dressing room. Um, you know, you, there's so many different nationalities and different players that come in now. It's about galvanising those types of players and stuff like that. You know, and it's, you know, so I think that you, there's, a, there's a different style, there's a different makeup of a captain nowadays than, than there was even 10 years ago. And I think James Tavernier, I think he's been a bit of a fall guy for a lot of, um, you know, uh, issues that Rangers have had. I, 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 I'm baffled with it uh, at times. You know, he might not be the guy that's the loudest in the dressing room, but that doesn't mean he's not a leader. There's a diff there's a different ways to lead. Uh, and sometimes some guys can handle it on the pitch and some guys don't. Even the even the guys you think might. So Charlie says somebody like Golson. And Golson might might be a captain, but he might not be. He might want to concentrate on his own game. He might not mm. be the type of guy to try and, uh, you know, get involved in the other aspects of it. And also, a lot of the foreign coaches in particular... Don't put as much 
emphasis on a captain. I think I think in the past, you know, the you know the other than perhaps we do in Scotland. Um, so I think there are different roles for captains now and it's a different time, a different era. Um, Me personally, I think there are more issues to resolve at Ibrox just now rather than who wears the armband, mm. who shakes the hand with the referee and tosses the coin before the game. Brian, I'm also I'm also convinced that Clement's went in there, spoke to senior players in the changing room, spoke to coaches and asked their opinion on it and asked... Is the is the players and other staff happy with with Tavernier as captain? And if they are, then why rock the boat? Because sure enough, if he names somebody else as captain, takes it off him, you'll get the, everybody in that building come up to Tavernier and go, "What's he all about? What's he get dropped? You as captain, you were a good captain." And Tavernier all of a sudden thinks, and that's where you start to cause unrest, and you need to be careful. Let, let me ask John his thoughts on it. Thank you to Brian. It's a, it certainly is a good debate. You can't deny that. What side of it are you on, John? Hi. Uh, I've just um, basically just Charlie just stole my thunder there. I mean, I hear I've seen the producer there. Every other night here, there's two and three calls on here to strip James Tavernier of the captaincy. He starts a second to none. Anybody on this, the show with any credibility that played the game at a high level, and they still them all as not one of them. I say a bad word about Tav. Listen, we know he's defending, but ninety percent of the time. Rangers are Rangers are going forward. I don't know many times he's put Rangers out a hole with his goals, with his assists. His actual stats are quite frightening when you when you look at it. Now what's happening is, and it happens, it's happened quite a few times. They, they dig a player out of a club and target him, and unfortunately for it's for it's Tavenu. Now, I could just imagine that guy coming in there. We're screaming and bawling for a new manager. We have got a new manager, or we want to see what he's doing. People are happy with that. They still want to slaughter James Tav and that guy. The first role that they want that guy today, the first role, isn't he come in and shape my team? Isn't he come in and make uh, Dessers, Alamers, or Danilo better players? The first thing that guys are wanting today is take a captaincy after James Tav. Shocking, by the way. Absolutely shocking. We all know he's got his faults, but the way they're, they're castigating that guy, it leaves a lot to be desired. They might have a right good look at themselves. I always like a bit of balance Passionate defence from John I don't mind that What is Philippe Clement's priority then? Sorry His priority mm-hmm. is, to get, is to get Michael Beale's signings Looking as if they're football players For mm. me Don't worry about James Savini Or, mm. or Conor Golson Or Barisic We know what they can do Right And we'll get people coming on here And going Either losers or losers We know how good they are See at this moment I'm not really too good I'm not too sure how good Lammers Dessers Danilo and Seymour is until he proves me that they can play there, and I'll be a wee bit. I'm more interested in getting them playing Kieran Dowell. There's quite a few players there, Safenties. I think that's his first, his first priority is to get the, the ones that can through the door playing. Don't worry about what we've got there the new. If he wants to replace them through time, fine. But I'll tell you one thing, see when he starts that up, I'd bet London to an orange when he picks a team on Saturday. Golson, Tavenier, and Barisic will be playing. I would, if anybody wants to take me on it in a charity bet I'll take it <laughs> 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 sounded quite threatening thank you very much to John on the line we will see I'm looking forward to a good debate later in the week about who does play uh, in that game at the weekend uh, a bit more of a gentle mood on the teaser how are you feeling about the 10 players who've got at least 100 goals in the English Premier League and they've also scored at Ibrox or Celtic Park Wayne Rooney Thierry Henry and Michael Owen so far Jermaine Defoe Yes he actually scored For Rangers of mm. course There I've got Andy Cole Wrote down here Andy Cole. No Terry Sheringham Nope Hazard No 
Frank I'll Lampard. Tell you what, Hazard must be close though. He must have 100 Premier League goals. Yeah, because he scored. Mm. Uh, was that Madrid. not his last Real Madrid goal? I think oh, I read that I? when he retired. Yeah. Frank Lampard. Nope. You Robbie Fowler. Nope. The ones that scored Andrew Steven Gerrard. Who would be like the Celtic equivalent of Jermaine Defoe, in the sense that he actually did it for the home club? They didn't have to come and do it on a European night. Who would be like a great English Premier League goal scorer actually played for Celtic? Dion Dublin? No, wasn't the one that sprung to him. But you're close, you're getting there. No Carlton. No. Oh, no. He didn't get 100 Premier League goals. Chris Sutton didn't get 100 no. goals. No. He missed He's Irish. Oh, Robbie Keane. Robbie, Robbie Keane. Keane. We'll get the rest of the answers. Oh, shocking. I think next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Listen and watch. Check the Twitter feed at Clyde SSB. Number one for football in Glasgow and the West. 0141-951-1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. We're into the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Charlie Mulgrew and Jim Duffy are here, and we're going to speak to Stephen in just a second. Let me revisit the teaser. Mm. I could sense it, you know, when I was giving you those clues. I could almost hear people shouting at the radio. Stuart Miller was straight on Twitter uh, with Robbie Keane. We're looking for mm. 10 players who've got at least 100 goals in the English Premier League and they've scored a goal in a competitive game at Ibrox or Celtic. We conducted the stewards' inquiry for you. Eden Hazard has 85, I think, or 86 well, uh, goals. So there we go. You've got Rooney, Henri, Owen, Defoe, Keane. It's quite a good list, this. Fernando Torres? No. The clue I will give you, though, is there is one more who has played for Celtic. Or, you know, So in the Defoe yeah. or the, the Keane mould, there's one yeah. more of them. And then the rest are, are visiting players. It's trying to think. I mean, because this is just scored a hundred goals for the start. Mostly, this but is Matt just Matt but he didn't. He played for Southampton. He never played in the Champions League. I think all the this is a who's who. Exactly. This list remaining is a who's who of nineties, early two thousands Premier yeah. League players. It yeah. genuinely is. Didier Drogba of all the Premier League years, that sort of stuff. A bit before him, I, w- I would focus on that oh, era. Freddie Lundberg. No. So we're talking Man United, Arsenal, these types. Uh, it's got to be in it, that's what I'm saying, because Man U dominated, as I said, Dwight York. Nope. Okay, I'll give you more thinking time, we'll get back to good question though, isn't it? Very good. This is Social. the one. Ryan Giggs? Yes, Ryan Giggs in the Champions League at Celtic Park, 2008-2009, so there we go. Solskjaer's not one though. Nah, he is not, he is not. You've got th- four left. One was more recently, one was a kind of... Same, a semi-recent Champions League game at Celtic Park I'll give you that but we'll get back to it let's bring in Stephen and Ayr how's it going Stephen? You need Hugh Keevans in to help them with that tonight that phrase has <laughs> never been Hugh Keevans <laughs> that has never been uttered he would this is not his forte Roger um, Hanna definitely exactly <laughs> and he'll be listening as well the Nokia will be getting fired up <laughs> frantically right now I'll receive a message in a second uh, Stephen what are you thinking it's been Quiet, I suppose, time for Celtic fans during the international break, just waiting on it all returning. Aye, well, I was going to talk about two players for the weekend, but mm-hmm. then I, when I was waiting there, I heard Scott Brown's name and Tavernier's in the same sentence, and nearly choked in my dinner. Well, it was Charlie that mentioned it. It's just we're talking about different types Aye, of know, captains, I, don't you worry. Uh, one's got over 20 honours and one's got two, but we'll not go there. Um, just just, just went there, didn't you? <laughs> so the... <laughs> 
the the weekend for me, Charlie's a defender, right? Liam Scales has been absolutely terrific. He's bided his time, so he has. He's watched these other players come in for big price tags, and I could not be happier with him. Um, for me, he does not get dropped until somebody shows him better. That's the way football should work. Until you prove you're better than the person that's got the jersey, you don't get dropped. For me, I don't know what the guys think. 100%. Um, it reminds me a bit of myself when I, how I get in the Celtic team when I wasn't playing and um, I managed to get a chance at Ibrooks and uh, done all right and done well and managed to stay in the team and it reminds me a wee bit of that so I think he deserves to stay in the team until something he has a bad performance or he doesn't train well and um, somebody else steps up so I would have him definitely in the team I would have him in Carter Vickers when Carter Vickers is fit and have they two as a centre back pairing until anything else um, MDLs pops up or injuries happen and I thought that would be my settled too it's definitely going to be interesting Jim because I don't think anyone would argue too much against that logic it seems pretty fair to everyone but you know Lager Bielka signed for millions of pounds and scored for Sweden during the international break Mike Navrotsky we, we, we never got to know him before the injury really again signed for millions of pounds so um, Phillips. yeah I mean he was more of the kind of yeah. stopgap but still you're right so either and ultimately Celtic fans are interested in what produces the best result on the pitch but mm-hmm. If it does come about, it's great for Liam Scales, but there's then almost a, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it becomes like a recruitment failure then because you, you didn't need those guys. You had you had this guy under your nose the full time. Yeah, possibly, but you know you need um, everything to fall into place for you. As Charlie says, sometimes it can be injuries, which you know you don't normally get three or four injured in the same area at the one time. That happened. That gave him the opportunity. He hasn't let anyone down. Stephen said, you know, he's consistent. He, he's been competitive. He, he gives balance because he's left-sided. And there's enough a lot of positive um, from, from Liam Scales. And, and, and all credit to him because I don't think anyone thought he, he had a future at Celtic. And it now looks as if he has. Um, the, the decision that um, Brendan Rodgers will have is when everyone's fit... And ultimately, his job is to play the best and strongest team he believes is available for Celtic. And if Liam Scales is, you know, pushed ahead of those other players, then he'll be in the team. But if the manager believes that those other players are better, like a Bielke in, in particular, then it's his job to play the strongest side. And it's not about fairness. It's about the demands of being the manager of Celtic. And that is, um, you know, to, to get the best players on the pitch. You know, but at this moment in time, Liam Scales has done everything in his part, and I think what he has done a, a, a little bit, you know, like um, Anthony Ralston did yep. a little bit, you know, came in under uh, Ange Postecoglou in particular, and really thought when no one thought he had a future, and said, "No, mm. I can be a, an integral part of this." And if it's not every week in week out, it's someone that the manager can rely on. So I can see a future now for Liam Scales at Celtic. Absolutely, Stephen is. Is there a hope as well that Liam Scales is now he's going from strength to strength? You know, like I said, playing for Ireland during the the break as well. Might you just continue to see a a better version of him? Is that the hope? I well, I'm just glad the guys sort of seen my point. Like they don't get dropped until somebody's better. I, I'm not really Gordon. You you covered that. To be honest, I was thinking it does look like if, if the big money guys are dropped, it does look like your 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 recruitments. Failed a bit because you brought in somebody that wasn't really getting a chance. But for me, I've watched him every game. He wins the most headers in the defence and he's strong in the tackle. You know what I mean? He's got everything. The only thing he's lacking 
his pace if he could have Dyson Maeda's legs it'd be happy you know <laughs> imagine a defender <laughs> who buzzed about like Dyson Maeda we don't Maeda. like that um, I wonder when, I'm definitely going to defer to to you two on this if the thing that really appeals to Brendan Rodgers is his use of the ball given the way that you know the, the way Brendan Rodgers likes to play well definitely will be if he couldn't handle the ball he wouldn't be he wouldn't be playing that's that's 100% but I think that uh, you talk about the recruitment policy I think the most important thing is between the recruitment policy looking like a success or failing or Celtic winning clearly the most important thing is that Celtic exactly. win games yep. and, and, and they keep clean sheets and they play players that's how young players get a chance Ralston was mentioned a minute ago that's how you get your chance and you stay in the team but you also understand when you're in the team like when I get in the team at that time I think we had something like 17 wins in a row and like loads of clean sheets because I understood that if I don't I'll be the first one to drop out here because I'm the easy option to drop out and bring in a Kelvin Wilson or somebody that's been brought in for, for bigger money so um, that's what Scales needs to understand but as long as he's in the team and they're winning and he's playing well he'll stay in there I think Thank you to Stephen Well done to Andy Indram Chapel, who is the Air Race Course ticket winner for tonight we'll keep doing that throughout the rest of the week as well we've got business to attend to though and the full time tees are still looking for one two, three, four players who've got over 100 English Premier League goals and have scored a goal at Celtic Park or Ibrox. Van Nistelrooy? Yes, a penalty for PSV this one was. So, although he was the Man United link. So you've got three to get. Um, one of them was a Celtic player in the 99-2000 season. Scored well over 100 goals for Arsenal. It's not Freddie Lindbergh and it's not... Um... He was Arsenal's top scorer until Thierry Henry took it off him, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're struggling here, you two. Played for England and... Oh, I'll tell you what. Nah, I thought I'd another clue to give you, but... What? Played for England? Ian Wright. Oh, oh my Wright, God. Yeah, right, so quick, so to get, uh, what about Liverpool at Celtic Park in the UEFA Cup 2003? So you've uh, mentioned... Michael Owen was before that, but he also played up front, I think, round about that. But just just after that, Leicester played for Leicester. No, big target man. Oh type. yeah, Emil Heskey. Emil Heskey. Oh, Heskey. And the recent one, Brendan Rodgers' first spell, Man City against Celtic. Celtic against Man City. Who would that be? He's a winger, but he scores. He has scored a lot of goals um, now at Chelsea. Uh, it's Sterling. Raheem, Raheem Sterling. Sterling. There we go. We got there, well, sort of. Him. In the end, I enjoyed that. That was good fun tonight with Jim Duffy, Charlie Mulgrew and your company on the phones. Back tomorrow night with Mark Wilson and Gordon Dale. They're back together after their Tuesday night divorce. Uh, So we'll speak to them from six and Callum Gallagher is up next.